It's Monday, June 14th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Over the weekend, a judge threw out a lawsuit by employees of Houston Methodist Hospital after the hospital mandated that they get COVID vaccines. 117 employees joined the failed lawsuit, alleging they did not want to be part of the vaccine experiment. Many legal experts agree that employers can mandate vaccinations as conditions of employment. The G7 summit also agreed this past weekend to give 1 billion vaccine doses to poorer countries, half of which will be supplied by the United States. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for this and a preview of President Biden's meeting with Vladimir Putin. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. wanted to start off with an interesting case surrounding COVID vaccines. The Houston Methodist Hospital Group mandated that everybody on their staff there get a vaccine so they can, you know, be safe and continue to care for patients. You know, it's a huge hospital group. They had about 25,000 staff members that did get their inoculations and 117 employees ended up filing a lawsuit. Over the weekend on Saturday, a judge threw that lawsuit out and said they could mandate this as part of uh, conditions for working there. That's right. So most employers in the U.S. are really grappling with this mandatory receiving the vaccine or even disclosing that they've received the vaccine question. But for hospitals particularly, they're used to this. They often require that people have a flu shot. So this is not something that's unusual for a hospital to require vaccines. And Methodist in Houston did. And like you said, there was 117 employees who sued after they were put on suspension. And the judge just really shot down all of their arguments and a ruling this weekend, called it reprehensible that they would compare the mandate for them to get a COVID vaccine to experimentation on Jewish people in concentration camps in Nazi Germany and said that, you know, look, it was within the parameters of the hospital uh, to require this. And it did not violate the state's at will provisions in their employment law. Yeah, as you mentioned, going down line by line, just shooting every part of it down. And it, it really just underscores the fact that businesses, employers can mandate these things as conditions of working for them in, in a lot of places. And, you know, on the flip side, too, businesses can also refuse service to people that fail to disclose that they've been vaccinated. You know, they can't force you to show them, but they can refuse you that service. So, uh, you know, th- as you mentioned, this kind of is the ongoing concerns over vaccinations and, and trying to get proof of them. But we'll continue to see if if more lawsuits pop up. Wanted to move on to the G7 summit. Uh, it was also play, uh, taking place over the weekend. They decided overall that all the countries are going to donate collectively 1 billion vaccine doses to poor countries. The U.S. is going to donate about 500 million of that 1 billion. People in the U.S. might not all realize that we're just moving uh, our vaccinations at such a faster rate than the rest of the world. Even parts of Europe, not quite at our level of vaccinations yet, with some some exceptions, places like Israel. Uh, But we've really gotten out ahead of this. And as a result, the president, the administration says it's now important for the U.S. to turn to helping the rest of the world. So providing a half billion of those billion vaccines that are promised to poorer nations. And President Biden has said that this is really in the U.S. interest. As long as the pandemic continues to rage anywhere in the world, the U.S. is at risk, particularly that we could see mutations of the virus that then uh, become resistant to vaccines and, and come back to the U.S. Right. I mean, just think of global travel. That's that's where it's going to be passing along through through everybody. So it's in our benefit for as many people to be vaccinated as possible. 
China was also in the crosshairs at the G7 summit. They were uh, trying to say that they need to handle their human rights issues a little bit better. And also, everybody was calling for another type of investigation to the origins of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, you know, this lab leak theory continues to persist right now. That's right. You know, the G7 is really the U.S.'s best chance to come together with allies to press back against China and the growth that China and in growing influence that China has around the globe. Uh, countries like the UK, like Germany, like France share the United States interest in sort of putting the pressure on China. And so we saw it on two fronts, some on economic issues and as well as the human rights issues, the abuses of people in the country, the Uyghur people, we saw them talking about that. And then, as you mentioned, COVID. I mean, this all started in China. And I think we've seen a bit of a sea change in the last few weeks in the U.S. and around the globe, renewing questions about where exactly this virus came from and wanting to get to the bottom of it. This is the first big meeting of the G7 with President Biden in place. Pretty stark contrast, I think, to how President Trump was running things. What have we heard on that front? How, how have the allies been getting along? Biden knows many of these world leaders from his years as the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate and then as vice president under Barack Obama. So these are familiar faces to him. But we have gotten reports from our allies and from inside the White House that he's getting along very well. And I think that that's indicative of the difference in approach that he and former President Trump had. President Trump went to the G7 and other similar conferences like this wanting to fight with foreign leaders. Right. There's that sort of iconic picture of him sitting there with his arms crossed as Angela Merkel tries to convince him of something in a meeting. Whereas Biden really wants to go in and build ties, make the United States work with our allies more and be friendly. It's just different approaches and we're seeing that play out. Biden's trip is going to end with a big meeting with Vladimir Putin of Russia He's going to do a solo press conference after that. Uh, you know, it's not going to be like the one where Trump and they were both there and, and all that number of issues to talk about there, especially the cyber attacks that have been coming on, you know, U.S. infrastructure from these Russian ransomware gangs. That That's going to be one of the top things they talk about. That's right. I, I think you point out the one with President Trump and Helsinki might have been one of the most unusual moments of the Trump presidency when they had that joint press conference. The Biden White House is not going to have anything that looks like this. And the the press conference he'll do afterwards, President Biden by himself, is really meant and designed to give him the opportunity to say that he pressed Putin on issues like these cyber attacks that appear to be coming from Russian soil on some human rights issues, on some other global issues, on telling him to leave our elections alone. I think Biden is going to really try to come out and make the case that he was a forceful and, and took a strong position against Putin. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. 